Well, good morning to you. Thanks for braving the cold weather and being with us today. If you are a first-time guest, I want to just say thank you for being here. Thank you for taking time out of your day to be with us to worship God with us. Um, as has been announced for some time today, we are uh, beginning a new series that has been on my heart for some time to do. Um, over, you know, for probably over about, about a year and a half, I've been thinking about this, pondering it, and uh, and, and feeling like the Lord was leading us in this direction on a series on suffering and, and, and what does it mean to suffer? Because suffering touches everyone on some level or another. If it has not touched you, it, it will at some point. And I wanted to bring that whole topic front and center to the church. And so over the next weeks, we're going to put this subject in front of us, and we're going to be talking about, uh, largely, about what, what, what do we do with suffering, what is God's purpose, some of the things that we'll cover is, you know, why is there suffering? Some people ask those questions of why is there suffering? Why does a good and powerful, awesome God, why does he allow suffering? We're going to be tackling some of those issues. We're going to be looking at uh, where some people wrestle, shouldn't Christians be exempt from suffering? What's the, what, what's the biblical perspective of suffering? Is it in the Bible, and what should we do with it? Ultimately, can God redeem our suffering? How do we walk through it? And here's another one. How do we walk with others through it when they are going through it? Some people wrestle with this in that whole idea of comparison. Why do some endure more suffering than others? It's really easy for us when we are going through something to look and say, well, you know, why, why is it that maybe I'm going through this and they seem like they just have this easy ride. And so, we want to also take a look, because I think as the church we've not done this, and we've not really known what to do with something, but the real emotions, the feelings, the, color, the doubts, the questions, the anger that we might face when we walk through it. And so the start to this series, um, during the process of praying about this, thinking about this, uh, Carrie introduced me and told me about Tim and Allie Turbor's story uh, and pointed me to their blog. They are friends of April and Darren. Um, that's Carrie and Ellen's daughter, April, um, and, and, and pointed me to their blog. And that kind of gives you a glimpse, the blog that's into the heart as, 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 as the journey that they have walked through and their story. It is a journey of suffering, but it's a journey of redemption. Um, if you've been on that blog, and if some of you have, and you've been ministered to it, I've been touched deeply by what they shared. I love their honesty and their transparency um, and what they shared through their journey. And through some conversation, I felt that God was leading us to ask them to share their story with us as we kick this series off and they agreed to do so. And so, in a few moments, I'm going to have them come up. They're going to share as much as they want to share. And then they're going to share from their hearts. And uh, people, again, if you've read their blog, they're very honest and very transparent. People are just doing great to even just get to talk to them and get to know them um, a little bit better. And so, will you help me welcome Tim and Allie as they come this morning? First of all, thank you guys for your willingness to be here today and just share with our folks. And I'm um, just so glad that you're here. And as I told you before, my goal is to kind of get myself out of the way. And uh, if there are a few things that prompt questions, I'll do that. But I want to hear your story and uh, share from the beginning, wherever you want to start from, and I'll just have you guys go. So. Well, okay, I'll start. I'm Allie. And, um, Tim and I have been married for eight years, and I guess our story um, of suffering kind of started in 2010. Um, we were on the five-year plan, so after five years of being married, we wanted to start having kids. And so in 2010, 
We have a four-year anniversary that it takes, you know, nine months for this to happen. So we, we started, and the first month, we got pregnant. And this was easy. And um, seven weeks later, I'm his birthday, I had a miscarriage, the first miscarriage. And that was, that was really hard at the time. And, um, and I had gone um, with the miscarriage, I had found a cyst that we needed to do surgery on, so I had gone through surgery, and we just kind of felt like it was really tough work. Um, <clears throat> and four months later, I, I got pregnant again after the surgery. And um, this time, everything went well. So we, in March of 2012, we had our first child, um, and her name was Quinn Noel, and um, she, she had a week stay in the NICU right away just for um, a virus, um, and, but other than that, very healthy. And we took her home, and we were like any parent struggling through the sleepless nights, and uh, how do we do this? And, um, and so then, four and a half months later, in July, so we had her in March of 2012, and in July of 2012, um, which, it was a weekend, and my parents were there, and she was, um, coming with be baptized the next day, and we were going to put her to bed that night, and she looked fussier than normal, but it didn't, you know, the babies are like um, and she she let out this loud scream and quit breathing. And my parents were there, and she was in our arms, and we kind of looked at each other like, "What's going on?" So um, we started doing CPR and, and called the ambulance, and they came in and um, and they took us away in the ambulance. And I remember thinking, you know, we were in our pajamas in the ambulance, and I remember thinking like. Wow, that really escalated quickly. Like, how did that just happen? And um, they took us to the emergency room, and we were there. Oh, I don't know, five five minutes, ten minutes, and they said, "Hey, can you come back in? Um, we're just keeping our lives for now, and you just need to go." And I was dumbfounded. I thought, um, we were just 45 minutes ago, we were just playing our dogs with that. Um, but I remember feeling so weird because I didn't know. I went in there and I, I was just in such shock. There's like nine people working on her in the emergency room, and I'm in my pajamas. And they said, You um, say goodbye, we're keeping her alive. And, and so we said our goodbyes. And then they said, we're just going to leave the room and you can have as long as you want with her. And I was just dumbfounded. What does that mean? <laughs> right, right, dumbfounded. So by that time, our parents have come in. Um, Tim's parents live in town, but um, in Sioux Falls, where it comes to Falls. Um, Tim's parents live in town, but my parents were in town. And um, April had come, April had come, and um, and um, we just spent time in the emergency room saying goodbye to the child and watching the life slip out of them. And, um, it's a parent's worst nightmare, actually. And so that kind of began. Um, we finally, I mean, how do you? We finally left her there, but that was one of the worst things. You know, you, you think, how do I leave my child? Yeah, we were with her 24 7 for five months, and then we asked where they were going to take her, and they said the more, but how do we leave? You know? So we went back home, and a detective was waiting there to ask, was there any. any you know, okay. uh, hey, and, um, and you think, I just it's 2 o'clock in the morning and you're getting interviewed to a detective and, um, and there are people waiting there for us and, and it was just a, a blur after that. I don't remember um, very much, but I remember 
I cannot have a cry. I didn't cry at all. I was just in shock. And we laid in bed to really sleep that night, and we didn't hear what the house wailing. People crying in different rooms. And um, I finally, at 5 o'clock in the morning, we both kind of turned over and started crying. That was the first time we had cried. Um, yeah, I remember vividly thinking in bed that night, um, how are we going to get through this? It was, I couldn't wrap my head around it and thinking, how is Allie going to get through this? You know, as, as a husband, how, how is my wife, how are we going to do that? Because it was such a loss. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it became, you know, we went through one, I mean, I was still nursing, so I would have to get up in the middle of the night. So it's like my body didn't know she was coming up. So everything from, um, you know, then a couple of days later, you go and um, you go to a funeral home and you pull open a curtain and there's a bunch of little caskets that you have to cut. And they're just like, this is fun. This is a scary movie. Yeah. It's not real life. I mean, this is my life. That's what I'm saying. Or she had to go for a long time, too. Right. You know. A perfect little body. Yep. I mean, picked apart. Yeah. It was just that nightmare. And, um... So we, so we went through all that, and I'll tell you, that's where the rubber meets the road. So we both grew up in Christian families, but um, everything you ever learned about God is kind of thrown out the end of that road, or at that place. It's like, man, what do I really believe in? How does, how does this work? And, you know, you just really have to fight through that. Or, or the feeling of unconsciously feeling. Uh, this wasn't supposed to happen to us as Christians. I don't think we, we, we grew up that way, but I think it's just in the back of the mind, you're like, oh, something like that would happen. Yeah. In the why means, huh? why, why us? Why not someone who, you know, crying because they got pregnant and doesn't want to try? Why? Why? Uh, you know, just go through all of those, those emotions. It's the wide range of emotions that I felt. Um, you know, my emotions, we dealt with it differently. I was heartbroken, just completely heartbroken. I just felt like, you know, I just, my head physically hurt. My chest physically, I felt like my heart was physically broken. And Tim went through anger, and I think maybe that's maybe more of a male um, mm-hmm. way of dealing with it. But he was really angry and can't fix it. Yeah, I wanted to blame someone. Uh-huh. And there was no one to blame. Mm-hmm. Eventually, that wouldn't pick out, I think. But. Right. There was no, we were, you know, we were both with her. There was no, it wasn't like any of us. There was no one, it wasn't a doctor's fault. It wasn't, it just was like this freak thing. And we got to talk to back a few weeks later, and um, it went into detail about how every area of the body is perfect. Mm-hmm. Great, healthy this, great, healthy that. Um, it's kind of just one of those things where I have no answers, no, no lies. And it took us through, so so we were struggling with obviously all of this huge grieving thing. And um, we decided two months later, we just we had really empty arms. So we decided we were going to try again um, for another baby. And we had kind of had this discussion like, I mean, what if this happens again to us? And Tim asked me, like, what if we get pregnant and the baby lives for five months again and something happens? Was that five months worth it? And I was just absolutely it's worth it. And he said, well, then let's try again. So two months later, we tried. So she died in um, July, and in September we tried again. And um, we went through two years of infertility. So that was another thing that we were grieving. We were alone, you know. We were grieving the loss of a child, but then I kept thinking, like, I would never be in this if I 
didn't lose my child. So every month I was grieving um, her being gone. And um, it, it was different too because, you know, as an adult guy, you grieve, you know, there would have been this age at this time, but as an infant, you know, he was an eight and nine and ten. So every month you're grieving this. Um, this milestone that we missed out on. And it's different because we didn't have um, Christmases with her or anything like that, but you're, you're grieving the loss of that, what you hoped would happen to what you dreamed um, And along with the infertility, you were grieving. So it was this, I, I kind of felt like God had um, taken us and dropped us off in the desert and kind of said adios and took off. I mean, we were kind of like, I don't know what to do. I don't know. I don't know. There was no... Oh, we were left alone. Kind of, um, a, a time of wilderness. Um, so, two years of infertility and I would say um, through that we, you know, I read this book. Um, of, you know, I read tons of books on grief, and I read this book where the the author said he had lost his, his wife and his mother and his daughter in a car accident, and he said, you know, the the quickest way to get to the sun is not to go west chasing after the sunset because those fleeting boys get this sunset but you'll never really stay in the sun. Um, the, the, the best way is to head east straight into the darkness because then um, the sun will come up again and you'll stop the longest you'll be in the sun. Um, and, and if you stay in that enough to grieve and we kind of took on that model, right? Don't avoid the grief because I'll, I'm going to have to go through it. So either I'm doing it now or I'm doing it 10 years down the road. And right now, there's people that help me, but I think 10 years down the road, people are kind of like, really? It's, it's been 10 years. You're going through this whole process. So we, like, dove into the grief. Yeah, I'd say that after six months of this, all about doing the first, first time. Of going back to the ER or going back to the hospital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hospital. His first time back, his first week back or something was in the ER working on something. I mean, you have a face all those nightmares and um, And yeah, I would say too, church was the hardest place for me. It was, it was really, really a hard place for me to go. Um, because not only because everyone had families, so I was watching people with babies and, and longing for that, but also because the songs, I couldn't, um, I could not sing like the You Are Good, I'll Dance Because You Are Good. I could not, that, that song would have been really hard for me. <laughs> Um, you know, we we sing the song never once did we leave us on the phone. You know, like at first you will not forsake me. And I was like, I can't say that. I feel forsaken. Um so all of these worship songs, oh, I'll go where you send me and I thought when I saw people raising their hands that I thought, um, in our church at that time I just felt like would you really go where he sent you? Are you really, really ready to do that? Because I feel like you could really be asking for a lot there. It was, it was really hard at the time. Um, to be yeah, you said that theology is put to the test in those moments. Right. I think sometimes you know, we're in a service you hear certain things are cliche things that's like, yeah, you have no idea. Right. 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 Yeah. So... Um, I think for a long time, I think indifference set in or apathy. It was just very, uh, obviously, very shocked. So um, he just kind of didn't really want to feel anything. And I think that was a coping mechanism for us. You know, we, 
we didn't want to be hurt again. And she remember thinking, waiting for the next shooter drop, too. It was always like, I was getting in the car, or, you know, my family, you know, something worried about the phone or anything. You know, you were just so, you know, worried about okay. something like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And it, that was one of the hardest things, is, is in, uh, you can talk about, you know, that, about indifference. Indifference. Well, you know, you talked about questioning that, you know, you're really questioning that, are you good, are you? And I feel like the, um, I heard this song on the radio, and it was a secular song that was saying the opposite of love and different. And, um, and I felt that way. Like, I, I wasn't, there was a time where I wasn't angry with God, I wasn't, but I was kind of like, hey, I just need a break from you. Not that I don't believe in you or that I just, I'm just, I can't pray for you and I can't read the Bible and I can't, there's, I just need, and I feel like that was, when I heard that song, I was like, that's exactly the opposite. It's not me and the questioning and the hard stuff and the yelling out to God and the anger. That's, I feel like, that's better to him probably than indifference or apathy. And, and, and. Yeah, I think he did it in spite a lot too. Is that I don't want people to deserve our love. You know, mm-hmm. you don't. You put us through this, you know, so we aren't going to. Okay, true. Really yep. Uh-huh. Yep. That in the, you said that was in the first few months that you guys were feeling that. Yeah, the first six to eight months. Okay. You know, Allie started the blog like uh, a month after she died. I think it was, I mean, we had heard people say that that's a really good medium to use to you know, kind of get things on paper mm-hmm. or, you know, on the web or whatever. And, you know, she started doing that. And that was a really good way of coping for both of us um, because I think it brought a lot of the community into what we were doing. You know, I think um, this is a very personal story, very raw. Um, but we were we were so thankful that that brought people into where we were, and, 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 and they could feel what it, you know what it felt like um, to be where we were. Um, so they could you know if they needed help or if they needed just encouragement, they could do that. But at least it lets them have a little bit of a voice. Yeah. Not that they will completely understand and know they've lived through it, but at least to give them a little when you dove into the grief you said at that point, what, what, what did that look like with you guys? I mean, process that out and when you said you dove into the, into the grief process of it. Well, I think it was doing everything that scared us. I, I kind of almost thought, lots of people would say, you don't have to go there. You don't have to do this. You don't have to, you don't have to do anything if you don't want to. But I thought, you know, even little things that you wouldn't expect, like, you know, the last time we planted our garden, she was sitting out in her little bouncy seat, and, and I was scared to plant the garden. It was hard. And you would think, planting a garden, that's not, it's not that trivial of thing, but it was rough on me. But then I thought, am I going to just not live? And I, I almost felt like some of those things were becoming like, like they were, I was like, so focused on the garden that it took away from, from everything else. And once I faced it, it wasn't, it didn't have a hold on me like it did before. And so, it was hard. It was really hard. And meeting up to us was even harder. But then, once I did it, so it was um, those types of things. I think diving into those hard things and just being able to just and have many people around. To, to sometimes that was as simple as getting up in the morning, you know. Yeah, the morning for the toughest. Really, because you wake up and you think, "Was that a nightmare?" And then you realize, "Like, no, oh, that's." I 
you talked about how it was coming back to church, and most of the things that you talked about with the church or whatever. One of the things that we talked about on the phone that we wanted you guys to kind of dive into a little bit was what were the helpful things to body touch and friends were, you know, because I think as Christians, and then we hear the story, and part of this is we hear the story. And we hear suffering, I'm almost glad it makes us feel a bit uncomfortable because I think a lot, a lot of times we don't know what to do with it, so we don't do anything before we feel like we have to say something. Um, and people feel like, well, well, for Christians, we have to say something, we do something. And, uh, and so, you know, a little bit what we talked about are what, what were helpful things and then what were not so helpful things that uh, you know, maybe people did or said. Uh, because a part of the series is we, what we want to do is, is enable people to how do you walk with someone through it. You know, I think um, after the fact, after Quinn died, I, I don't think we really knew what we wanted or what we needed. That was one of the hardest things. We couldn't relay that to anyone. We were just so shocked and, and, and you know, like you have a contingency yeah. plan. Right, like, well, yeah, like you're planning this. No one, no one is thinking this. But, you know, one of the most helpful things, you know, I, I, I can just talk about yeah, one of my good friends, um, and April, you know, they, they came over to the house the first day, and instead of saying anything, um, they just sat in the corner, they hugged, they sat in the corner, and they, they lived with us in the pit. I mean, we were... And they didn't try to make it better. They didn't say anything. They didn't say anything. They didn't say anything um, to make us feel any better because there was nothing that could be said that would make us feel any better. But I think Dan sat there for three days, and he didn't really. A lot of times I didn't even know he was there, but I'd look around and he wasn't. You know, it was weird. He'd be in the corner or something. <laughs> but um, after the fact, I was really. Thankful, and 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 that was, it wasn't just him. There was a lot of people that came over and did that. But I would I would encourage people. You know, it, it's it's really awkward to go into that place and uncomfortable. It's just we don't want to do it. It's like funerals or the doctor's office, right? It's something we don't want to do. But I think if you if you really can just go there and and just be there with people, it just helps a lot. Yeah. Well. You know, I would say, oh, like we have fallen into a pit. So we're in this deep place of sadness. And, um, you know, I think people, when I think about it as an analogy, people would crawl into that pit with us and they would just sit there. And it didn't, you know, when you hear the story of Job at first, at first, you think, oh, he has amazing friends, right? They just sit there with him. And and granted, if you don't know a person very well, it is. If you know, if you just go to someone you don't know and sit in house for three days, it would be awkward. Darren was like a brother, um, so it was a little bit different. But um, there was different ways that people did that. I think so many times what was most bothersome is it seemed like people would walk by the pit and we were down there and they'd say, do you need anything down there? Are you okay? And, and, and you didn't know what you needed, like you said. So you'd say, no, I'm, I'm fine. And then they'd keep walking. And it was the people who just like, that looks really scary. And if I enter into that and like, experience that pain with you, that's hard on me. And I had had enough that I'm doing that. I can't do that. But the people who just said, here we go, and they just crawl down in that pit and sat in that pit. Um, was was what meant and got us through that, really, the, the people who joined us. And there were some people who were great friends that were down in that pit with us. There were some people who we, I would say, didn't know that well, that just carried a burden for us that I was just so touched by. Um, yeah, carry that burden for us. And, you know, I would say, um, you know, the practical things were really helpful, like a meal. Don't, don't say, I'm, I'm telling you right now, don't say, hey, if you ever need anything, let me know. That is, that, I'm very, very much a delegator, and I will tell you what I need. 
and I'm very, very open, and I would, I'm telling you, I would never call someone and say, hey, could you bring me a minute tonight? I, I would never do that. Or I would never call and say, hey, can you clean the house? I would, ne- I would never do that. So even if you mean it wholeheartedly that they come and do something, you almost have to say it with intention. So, you know, next week, Monday, can I bring you this? Or can I do this? Can I um, say it with, with intention, I think. Because um, that's... Um, that's a big thing. And then, even if you don't know the person very well, they can freeze them. They can, they can do those kinds of things. I had a friend from Minnesota, actually, who told me that Minnesotans, he told me there's a few things I needed to know these And he said, Minnesotans, uh-huh. he said, you need to ask three times. Have you ever heard that? Ask yes. three times. So he said, like, if they come over and you have cookies, you say, hey, you want a cookie? No, I'm Minnesota. No, I'm good. And then he said, "No, I made cookies. You, I seriously, you want some? I have extra, you know." And then the third time, "No, I, I made these for you. Come on, come on. Okay, I'll have the So three times. So you have to, you might have to ask three times to bring a meal in. If you're from Minnesota, nice. Four minutes of the morning. Yeah, you look at it. I just wanted to pause real quick because just what they describe in Baron April in the body of Christ, um, it's so important to understand that the way we do that is the importance of being connected to the body of Christ, is that you know, there's a family mentality there. Um, you, you don't have that if you're not connected to the body of Christ. And so I mean, it's just a very important thing to understand that uh, obviously our family, but the church family is, is something that goes beyond that. And it's still so important to be have that connection to be able to have those relationships. Like you said, it's very awkward if you don't know someone and then you kind of walk in that um, and then you don't really know what's going on. And then the Joe thing is right on the mind. Joe would have been a wonderful book if we had just had it stopped and then they open their mouth and they all went down hill from that. And that's the only reason for that. Yeah. And that's, I would say, I think our, when we feel bad for people, we, um, but I'm, I'm putting myself in this because I know before I went through this, I I did the same thing each time. You know, you're going through a visitation line and you don't know what to say to people. So you just, you come up with some some phrase that you've heard before, not even knowing, you know, like, you know, the, the thing that got me the most when someone said, um, I was like, you know what, God just needed another mention. He just did that. And I was like, that hurts me, and that does not help my relationship with Christ right now. Um, that makes me feel like he's got plenty of angels. You, you know, those types of things were, and I know they were saying it. You know, where where love abounds, grace abounds. So there, you know, there's a lot of grace there. But um, it was those those things were kind of tied up in a nice bow. Um, there's no nice bow for stuff like this. There's no, um, and people, you know, I think what I read the most about people in the position is they felt forgotten. And I think not just in our position, a lot of people out there feel forgotten. They are going through something and right away we have this outpouring of love. And then later down the road, it's still tough. You know, we still grieve things a couple years down the road, but people aren't there as much. And um, I had a lot of people in my life who set alarms on their phone to check up on me. Like, I might forget. So, or they would be, be far away and they would, um, um, you know, write cards. They would give us mail um, of these such things. You know, just that I'm thinking about you and I'm praying for you and avert. It wasn't, um, you know, it's they weren't fixing it. They weren't trying to fix it. There was no cliche saying in it. They were just, again, saying, you're not forgotten. And that's huge. If anything else, just don't forget. I think another one is when people say, well, just give it time. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that's just kind of a misnomer, too, because we, you know, like we have to try to explain to somebody by a hospice nurse who's very godly woman is to say, you know, grief never goes away, but it might take some time to come back around, but you, you, you don't deal with it all your whole all your life because there's loss there, and, uh, and that's okay. And, and, and just to hear that was so helpful for me uh, from somebody who's walked with a lot of families through that, but, uh, you know, time doesn't feel it. I don't think you'll ever feel from it, um, but, but that's very helpful to sit here you know, what was And I had, a, I had a better as a woman. Tim, as a man. You know, from a man's perspective, it was the first few months, I think we had a lot of outplaying love. Like, it, it, as a man, um, the anger and the rage, um, I don't know, I, I, I kind of isolated myself. Maybe it was a natural thing to do. But uh, I think after a couple months, from from my friends or, or coworkers, I think it was difficult for them to know what to say. Um, just just because men are just kind of touchy feely. I don't think. Yeah, we're not you know we're not sending calls and we don't communicate as well a lot of times. So um, I, I I think Alan and I did pretty well through that. Well, I did pretty well through that. But I, I would you know encourage the males to. You know, if you have a friend or a family member in that, even if you don't know what to say, or even if you're you're thinking, oh, I'm having a pretty good day, it looks like. Um, I, don't I don't want to bring it up. I would, you know, just say something. Say how you, you know, how, how because well, the, 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 first, the first year for sure, we thought about it all the day, every day. I mean, obviously, it was, it was hourly, you know. Um, and I would, you know, and that's not to guilt anyone or, you know, anything like that. But it, I, I think that as males, you can do a little better job of, you know, encouraging one another and communicating. Um, kind of transition, but talk about what, you know, and I know this is probably something that came through your blog, but even then and now, what has God spoken, what has God revealed? Some of the things that maybe you know, I know there's a lot, but some of those, some of those things that are probably more prevalent of what God, you know, obviously you get through the top of it, and, and 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 you're still going through it, and I think that's very important for people to understand. Um, it's two years, but you're still walking through it. But what are some of those things that God has been mentioning, speaking, and how has He redeemed it? Um, you know, what has He been doing that that you have seen? The first thing I think of when you say that is, Ellen and I have talked about it a lot, is that God, even though the worst thing happened and the nightmare happened, He's still there. That, I mean, even though we didn't like Him or didn't, we didn't want to talk to Him or we were indifferent or apathetic or all those feelings, He, he was still there. Just like Darren in the corner, He was He was sitting there waiting, you know, for us and. I think that even, you know, something bad could happen again tomorrow to Alan or any one of us. Um, but the fact is, is that he's still going to be there. I mean, and that might not give a lot of comfort, but I think at the end of the day it does because um, that's how it affects, you know, a lot of different things. Um, and that's affecting one of the things that's helped us get through. I mean, just knowing that he's going to be there. And we, you know, when you ask, like, where is God in suffering? Or how does God, uh, why do good people suffer? And I'm telling you, I've been to the, he doesn't make us suffer, to he has caused all of this, and back to the middle of heaven, everywhere with this. And I can tell you, I don't, I don't know. So it's a holy mystery, like, some of this stuff happens. Um, but sometimes it just boils down to two things. And um, one is we walk by faith and not by sight. Even when God didn't feel good. I think, like, or I had a struggle to have with does God really love me? Because as, as a parent, I would never put him through this. 
I would never allow it. I would never cause it. I would never let anyone win. I would never, at any rate, I would never put her through the ice one. And I love her a lot, but think of how much, how much more God loves me. Um, so I can't believe that you love me. I can't, can't wrap my head around you loving me and still this happening. Um, and I remember my mom saying to me, we walked my face in and I've heard that many times before, but really by sight, it did look like he didn't love me and that he wasn't good and that he, but some days I would have to just wake up and have faith that he was good and have faith, just tell myself, he loves me or he, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me. I had to tell myself that over and over again hold to those truths that I know, even when it doesn't feel like it, um, it's, that's where faith comes in. Like, I, I have to believe this. Um, and another big thing that I learned through it is, um, I listened to this sermon on disappointment, and he talked about four different things, but one of the things he talked about, he said, you are not God. And for some reason, that struck me in heart. You are not God. And so, and I said this in, in one of my blog posts, but how, how can I, as a 30-something-year-old female who's been around, you know, I've only been on this earth 30 years, 31 years, and I um, have really only been to North America. Um, and I really only, I haven't experienced the world, and I believe that I could do it better than that. I believe that I, you know, I wouldn't have done that, and I wouldn't have done this, and I would have chosen this person, and I wouldn't choose this, and, and I believe that I could do a better job. Like, that's, that's for me to think that I could do a better job. And if I truly believe that he's omnipotent and he knows all and he will work things together for my good and he sees everything and he has a greater purpose and I've seen that my whole life then how can I say you're wrong? <laughs> I can't. Um, and I can't tell you why it happened but I can tell you that I'm not God and that his ways are higher than my ways, and it's it's a holy mystery. Um, it's a holy mystery, and we can't reduce that to a slogan. To uh, you know, it's you know, God doesn't give us more than we can handle. We can't we can't reduce it to a slogan. It's a mystery. So um, no, no. Um, your last, one of your last blog entries was this description that you just mentioned that we have used that God won't give you any more than you can handle. Um, and if you've ever, if you had a chance to read the blog, it's, it's, it's been fantastic. It's been a lot of goodness and a lot of people, including myself. And so talk about that. I want you to just kind of briefly, yeah, just kind of uh, touch on that because we've heard it, we've said it. Mm -hmm. I've said it many times. I've said it a hundred times. Even after Twin Dad, I said it. So I'm not, it, it wasn't that very long ago that I kind of reformed the way I think and thinking. But, um, you know, in, in our story uh, in July of this year, um, well, in June, we found out I was pregnant. So after two years of infertility, we found out I was pregnant. And we went in for the six-week ultrasound to get that beat. And um, we said, oh, sorry to say, but the pregnancy is in the tooth. And it's tough to pregnancy. And um, you're too far along, we have to go in multiple surgery to remove pregnancy. And at that point, it's not like, God, can you throw me a bone? Like, I just need something good to happen. I feel like almost that if anything bad can happen, it will happen. And so they took me into surgery, and, and as I was recovering that week um, in July, I just felt really, really like I have had too much. Just too much. I cannot, I can't. And, um, and, 
Don Anita, I don't think that that's the whole thing that we need to be It comes from a verse that says, God won't give you more than um, you can be tempted. No temptation. Um, right, right. And it's talking about temptation, not struggles. And um, in fact, there's a lot of scripture that says He gives us. Um, struggles to the point where we don't think we can take it, but that's so that he can take it. And, um, and, and that's true. I think that there's, we are given more than we can handle sometimes. Um, but that, that's because we can't handle it on our own. Um, but then we have to give it up to him. And we have to do this. And we have to give it up to you. Um, and so, yeah, I don't think that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I got it myself. I'm sorry. Yeah. You're going to say something about what maybe it's going to be. Well, just before that, but, you know, talking earlier about, you know, loving God and it's good and saying, oh, okay, maybe you did this to me. On our way home, from, we actually were in Prinsburg. We were there this, um, um, the, night, the day before. Uh, we, uh, we went into the the dock and had found out about the topic. And I remember we were we were sitting at Subway and we were, we were in text and we were talking about okay now if something really bad happens tomorrow or or at the appointment we can't just say you know we can't say we love you God we love you God we love you God and then right after it's done if something bad happens we say I can't do that. And we were talking about that not not longer than you know thirty four hours later we were sitting in, I was sitting in surgery thinking about that. And, um, and it was hard because it dredged up all those feelings again. And, but it was just a reminder. I, I mean, I remember us sitting in there having to make a decision about what to do, whether to do surgery or something else. And um, we, we both said it. We both said, you know, we, we, we can't just say, God, this isn't your plan, right? And right at that moment, wow, it was... It was way more than we could have. I mean, we were, we were bawling and we were nuts. Um, but, I mean, God was definitely there. That, that's for sure. And I felt stronger through that, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, if I would have had that earlier in my life, I don't think I would have We were a lot stronger. I mean, we've been through a lot. So, we were, I felt like we were. A lot stronger Not to say that we're stronger. I know one of the ways God uses obviously to redeem is um, to minister to others. And uh, have you guys seen God redeem your story? I mean, I can speak for several people who have told me they've read the blog and they've been deeply touched and ministered by it, reading it, and God. But do you guys have any other examples of maybe how God has used? Well, I, I think one of the things is on Prince's birthday, we, we, Sally uh, came up with something, uh, she called it Coincidence Day, but we called it Coincidence Day. And so on our birthday, we, uh, on the blog, we invited everyone to do that and ask kindness to anybody around them. Um, and it could, you know, it could be a hundred different things, but um, through that day, um, when her birthday came away, first of all, it was really good for us to cope through that day, to get through that day, um, because we didn't feel like we had been forgotten, right? There were a lot of people going out and doing good things for other people, but um, we heard some amazing, amazing stories from that. And, and from all across the country and the world, we had people in Europe and New Guinea doing it. So, um, and I heard people writing on the blog saying, I don't know who you are, but somebody did this for me, you know, and that was... It was just really cool, and you know, really cool to hear that. And it was really helpful getting to that day, especially. Um, yeah, that's probably the biggest thing that's come out of it. Um, we, yeah, we really did it. So we did the random act kind of on our birthday, just because instead of sitting internally focused, if we are loving on others, and you know how much it feels good to make someone's day, so if I'm continually making someone's day on a day that's really hard for me, I mean, it was it was really, it sounds 
very nice of us, but it was it was very selfish. It was like I just want to get through this day, and that sounds like a good way of getting me through this day. So it was a very like this is going to help me really get through this day. But it helped it in the long run. Then all of these people were, and I just wanted it to be. I just didn't want. I don't. Four months of your life isn't that long of time to make an impact. And I prayed for for months for this child to bring joy to others and to impact the world. And I just had these huge hopes and dreams from a child. And then it's it's gone and and those dreams are are gone with it too. And um and that was a huge part of the day. I just wanted um, I just want her to impact someone. I want someone's life to be changed because my daughter was born. Um, and it was just really, it was really huge to us how many people just really um, took it in random and even little things really made me get like in my high school, high school teacher. And kids would put post-it notes on the counseling letters of what they did that day. And um, one of them was something like, I forgave someone that I've been angry with way too long. And I went, and, and just that, like someone, there's forgiveness because she was born. You know, just something, some sort of redeeming um, thing came out of it. And... I'm sure there's lots of things we don't know, um, but that's probably the biggest thing we've seen from the I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, as we close up here, I'm going to give you guys just kind of some last words, thoughts, and maybe whatever's on the part, but how you would even, what you would say to someone maybe that's going through something, to you something. Just again, one of the things that we're going to be dealing with is the different levels of suffering, whether it's loss, um, I think ultimately it's all loss, but it can be loss of child or chronic pain or any, any myriad different things. But uh, just to have you guys get some other thoughts and maybe talk about that. You know, I, I think the first month or two, uh, we didn't really know what we wanted from the community of friends, but. I will say one thing, you know, that anybody who's struggling right now or suffering is um, that it's going to be okay. There's a lot of people out here, you know, that are probably struggling with something. And, you know, that's a good thing to hear sometimes, that it's going to be okay. You know, and God's going to be there with you and your friends are going to be there with you. And whether that's it's going to be okay in a year or two years or a day, um, you know, uh, it will be okay. Um, that same that same sermon that I listened to where it said that you are not God. Um, one of the last points in the four was that God's glory never ends with disappointment. Um, and sometimes I'm kind of like, they're talking about heaven. And that's a long way off. You know, I mean, it could be. I know how the goal can be, but... Um, that just seems like so far when you just you just mean you just need some hope right now. But I truly believe that that they, it's not just talking about in heaven. I think on earth God's story doesn't end with this um, that there is hope and um, it might not be right now, it might not be right at this moment that you're gonna experience hope, but I believe that it's, there's never a day when hope is on its way to you. It's, it's on its way. Um, and that helps in getting through some of those tough days. Like, it, it, it is coming. It's maybe not right at this moment, but hope is coming. And, and God's story doesn't end with this moment. And I believe that someday it's still hard for me to say this, but I believe wholeheartedly that someday we will get to heaven and we will look back on our lives and we will see that we had it all wrong. That the suffering that we're going through in our lives is 
actually not the worst time in my life, but was the most precious, sweetest time in my life. Um, because the body of Christ is really stepped up during that time, and you see how God carried you, and you can see even the difference in you. Like, I, you know, I said, I feel like God dropped me off in the desert um, and left me in the wilderness for a while, but I, I teach my kids, um, I'm a psychology teacher, and I teach my kids about rites of passage, and in a lot of tribes, they put their kids um, as a rite of passage in the desert, and they come back a man. They come back a woman. And it's their, it's their transition from childhood to adulthood. And, um, and maybe you're going through the wilderness, and maybe you're going through the desert, but um, I think that I will and you will emerge, for this, emerge from this as a man of God or a woman of God. If you hold fast to those truths that you know, but if you walk on um, and, and so, I, I'm a, yeah, I'm a big believer in that we will, in heaven, look back on this and see the amazing growth um, through this refining fire, um, where we were something that wasn't as pure, and then we come out as that pure gold and something um, amazing that I. I can't see it. I'm not saying that I'm, I'm gold yet, but I'm saying that if, when I get to heaven, I believe that I will see um, struggles in a very different way. And I'm not going to even try to add any more to that, but to my view of the prayer, you can tell me. You guys have a nail to it too, right? Uh, I'm pregnant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sixteen weeks. Sixteen weeks. We were with you guys, and I thought it would be better that you heard from her. Can we say thank you to these guys again? Thank you. I want to close in prayer. I want to pray for these guys, and also just to um, encourage you to. Just to fix your eyes on Jesus, that He loves you, He cares about you. Um, I think the description they used that the holy mystery is such a good way to describe something. And, and, and when you're going through the desert, and it's something that is just a wonderful description of that. And but to just encourage you to hold on to the Lord, and uh, I'm encouraging you to come out of the series next week. We're actually going to watch a movie. Um, if you didn't have technical difficulties, I would really to share our trailer with you, but maybe that will encourage you even more. It's, it's, it's the ultimate teaser. You have no idea what to expect. So, um, encourage you to come out to this. Um, and invite people to be, again, we want to walk through this. And, uh, and one of the things I love that they said is sometimes there's just, there are no answers. And so in this series, our hope is not to give you all the answers before we leave here for eight weeks. But ultimately, that we find Christ in a deeper way that we are And that is my heart, that is my uh, desire to this series. So, will you pray with me? And uh, let's pray for some of the Thank you guys for, for being here. God, thank you um, for this day. Lord, thank you for um, telling Allie this story. Lord, and I do believe, God, that you are going to use them in greater ways than they probably ever thought of um, to, to be even how this ripple effect is even happening, God, that, uh, Lord, I believe that you want to use this story and use this journey, and, uh, Lord, even with the hard questions, even with the emotions, and even with the, the rawness of the, of the story, God, I, I believe that you're going to use them in a great way, and, uh, Lord, we do pray your grace over them, um, Lord, as they minister to other people, as other people um, read their story or hear their story, uh, we're ultimately praying for healing, the healing of our hearts, the healing of the hearts of people that are walking through things. And Lord, I also just want to pray, Lord, for this pregnancy, that Lord, you would touch them, you would minister to them, you would walk them through this, and we pray that you would touch this child, 
bless this baby abundantly, Lord, and it is a gift for me. And um, we'll be also, I just want to pause and pray, God, for those that are in here this morning that are walking through something very difficult, Lord, and that they're right in the middle of, of the desert. Lord, that you would reveal your heart, the closeness that you are there. Um, God, that they would sense your nearness in just a new way. And God, ultimately, we want, again, and as we prayed before, and we want you to receive all the glory. We want all that life to be upon Jesus and uh, that word you would be seen in and through for all that happens. So, God, we love you today, and we thank you again for sending in love to with us and everyone in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for being with us today, and uh, have a great day and a great week.